Welcome to the latest episode of the Lucas Baseball Podcast brought to you by DrRoto.com. On today's show, we're going over our favorite waiver wire and fab additions before the season begins. This will be especially helpful for those people who drafted early. These players are mostly tailored to your 12 and your 15 team leagues. And of course, as always, joined by my co-host, Lucas Barry Lucas, we have a ton of great names here. Some players who can make a huge impact right away for those fantasy baseball owners. Absolutely. Lou, I don't know about you. We haven't talked about this yet, but it feels like the amount of prospects that could potentially debut this year is at a higher level than normal. Maybe it's because they changed the CBA to award a draft pick for teams that uh, do have their player finish in the top three of the rookie of the year. Maybe that's why you're seeing a Hunter Green or some others. But, uh, yeah, it feels like there's a lot of excitement, not only for fantasy baseball, but some prospects that could debut as well. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the case. And I feel like it's happening more and more every year, even before the new CBA. We're seeing more players making debuts at a much younger age as well. We've been seeing it for a few years, and the trend is continuing. Well, you mentioned Hunter Green, so let's actually start with him. Former second overall pick with the Reds back in 2017 out of high school. 6'5", throws gas. Going to begin the season in the Reds rotation announced earlier this week. Throughout the minor league career, one constant for him, missing bats. A career 11.8K per nine in the minors and was utterly dominant in AA last year, recording 13.2K per nine. Has a chance to be an impact starting pitcher for your team right away because of the strikeouts and should be able to throw 130, 135 innings this season after throwing 106 last year. Yep. Hunter Green, obviously, he has the, uh, the his famous fastball that hits triple digits regularly. He has a great slider as well. It'll kind of come down to it, how effective can he be with those two pitches and does he need to implement the changeup right away to have success? Um, I would think that he'll come up and be able to get some strikeouts. Now, that could come with some wobbly ratios, given he has a tough home park. And in a debut, it's always a challenge for a pitcher. But uh, sometimes, you you know, you have to be in on these guys to find your McClanahan's and your Manoa's. So that could be green. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I think a bit of around anywhere between 40 to 70, 75 could potentially get green in, in, in a $1,000 fab league. Do you think that that's going to differ based on the type of like the size of league you're in? Let's say you're in a 12 team league. Mm. Uh, do you think you're going to have to pay less because the pool is deeper, or do you th- not even think that matters with a guy like Green? I think generally you would pay less, but um, I know in some, 12 leagues are very unpredictable because there's just so many options out there. All it takes is one or two people that love Hunter Green. And that bid's going to go up. I mean, he's a very famous prospect, but in a 15-teamer, of course, you would imagine on average that would go higher than a 12 just because there's less enticing starters on the waiver. So generally, green would go more than 15, but all it takes is one or two green fans to skyrocket up that price in a 12-teamer. Certainly so. I have three bids on him across three different leagues, and my max is 82, and my minimum is 63. All right. Well, I was kind of right there in that range then, I guess, so... Yeah, so I mean, whether I get him or not was to be determined. I'll find yeah. out tomorrow. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the range that I'm in. They're all tw- 12 and 15 team leagues, 215, 112. So I guess we'll see and I'll uh, report back to you. But let's move on to the next player here. Relief pitcher David Robertson with the Cubs. 
We know Rowan Wick is the favorite for saves in Chicago. Thing is, he only has 11 career saves in parts of four MLB seasons. Most he's had in a season is five. Robertson, on the other hand, 137 career saves, three seasons of over 30 saves, and uh, four seasons of double-digit saves. So if Wick were to struggle at all, Robertson likely candidate to get chances in the ninth inning making him a nice speculative ad right now especially if you have injuries on your team and your league has il spots i think more of a 15 team ad for speculative guys don't really think you need to make this move in a 12 team league i agree i i think in a 15 teamer if you're truly desperate uh, for saves you can have a list of five or six guys for one to two dollars and i think he can be on that list I think, sure, there's maybe a 10 to 15% chance he gets saves. But in Chicago, they have a lot of arms. Michael Givens, uh, Manuel Rodriguez, uh, Chris Martin, Rowan Wick. I I mean, I I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen there, but Robertson could get some saves. It's uh, just another name to kind of file away onto a fab list to have a a long list of guys to pick up in case you don't get your top priority. Yeah, I also view Robertson as a guy that's not going to be a cub long term obviously based on his age yeah. based on his contract it would behoove the cubs to get him save opportunities and if he does excel uh use him as trade bait later on in the year they're not going to be looking to trade a guy like wick necessarily with more team control so that's kind of another thing i've considered that's a good call all right well how about josh harrison we'll go from uh the cubs to the white Sox. keep it in chicago harrison is eligible at second third and the outfield and his best days certainly behind him but he's still a productive player going to be hitting one of the better lineups in baseball hitters ballpark and it's that positional eligibility to me that really makes him a perfect bench bat especially in deeper leagues i mentioned second third and outfield that also means middle infield and corner infield eligibility too he could chip in seven to ten steals while hitting for a decent average career 274 hitter i like him and i like him even more if you have daily roster moves he definitely went to a nice little situation for himself. Um, he may not play obviously full time every single day, but I would imagine he gets, you know, five starts a week or so. Um, doesn't have a ton of upside, but sometimes the steady Eddie who just continues to get his 10 homers, 10 steals in a good lineup with a good average. I mean, sometimes that's all the doctor orders. If you're really hurting with injuries or in a 20 team league, he's wonderful in a 15 teamer. He's serviceable. Yeah, I think he's like a poor man's Chris Taylor. Uh, Not going to play as much, not going to do as well, but can play all over the place. And I do think his playing time takes a bit of a hit with the A.J. Pollock move uh, because Lurie Garcia, who was going to play some outfield, is now probably going to play some second and be a bench bat. So Harrison's going to have to contend with that. But his ability to play third is something were to happen to Moncada in the outfield if something were to happen to one of the other guys. um, Definitely makes him interesting as a bench bat and again those daily roster moves um allow you to kind of get him in there when needed to fill in multiple positions absolutely i mean he was above league average hitter last year and a lot of that damage was done in oakland so he's going to see an upgrade in terms of team context and a ballpark shift i i think as far as just like if you need a bench bat and a 15 teamer you're not going to blow your budget on him but you know four to twelve dollars i think that would probably get him in a lot of leagues yeah i think i have a bit of like 12 or 13 even in the thousand Mm -hmm. in the thousand fab leagues um just because you know in those 
15 teamers or more there's not a lot out there right now but of course there is um a lot more players here to talk about so let's look at outfielder jake fraley of the reds traded from seattle to cincinnati really giving him a boost in fantasy he went from a pitcher's park and likely a part-time role to a hitter's park and what now looks to be full-time at bats he showed off excellent on base skills a year ago despite only hitting 210 he has very good speed and in a part-time role last year hit nine homers stole 10 bases with full-time at bats in a better ballpark he could be a 15 homer, 20 stolen base type of player for you, and those are hard to come by. Um, I mean, that's almost Akil Badu potentially, and Akil Badu is going top 150 in certain places. Yeah, this is probably uh, of the players that we've discussed so far outside of Hunter Green. This is clearly the most exciting. Uh, Fraley's kind of always had that power, speed, potential. He just kind of has struck out way too much and never cemented himself as a full time player and. Um, he could possibly do that in Cincinnati. Now they do have their roster resource alignment set up with Colin Moran as the DH and Tyler Naquin, Nick Senzel, and Tommy Pham in the outfield. None of those players are immovable. Obviously, he could uh, he could force the issue there since he is much younger than a handful of those players. Um, yeah, I think that he's worth anywhere between maybe 25 to $50 if you need that speed. It's tough because, like I said, I don't see a necessarily a guaranteed 100% roll. But, you know, it's also speculation to look at their lineup and make any assumptions until we can see that lineup card each day from the manager. Absolutely. Keeping things in the NL Central here, starting pitcher Mitch Keller of the Pirates. Former top prospect, excelled in the short 2020 season, then got hit around hard in 2021. Has been phenomenal this spring, though, and I don't like to put a lot of weight into spring training stats. Mm-hmm. It's a good sign to see him pitching well, allowing no earned runs in eight and two-thirds innings so far. I think worth adding in deeper leagues in the off chance that he does carry this success into the early part of the 2022 season, even if he were to stumble eventually. If you can get three, four, five really good starts from him, early on in the season, especially with a short and spring training, guys aren't up to speed as much necessarily take advantage of it. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's uh, hitting new heights on his velocity. I know that he had trained um, with one of the kind of the, like the driveline uh, type of training setups. I can't remember the name that he had worked with. It was a different company than driveline, but he's made some, some changes and his velocities boosted up. You know, obviously he's nothing tangible yet. He has a career 4.4 walks per nine, and just that's not going to work in the majors, and not unless you're striking out 11 batters per nine. So uh, I'd temper my bids here, but if you really needed a uh, a shot in the arm of, of starting pitching, I think that uh, that 40 to 50 range is is possible. Um, somewhat similar to to Hunter Green, I guess, but. I'm I'm not a huge Keller kind of guy. I know that velocity could change his life, but uh, I don't know. I need to see a little bit more, even though there are some intriguing signs. Yeah, I mean, the last season was a disaster, and you don't want that yeah. either, right? So there's obviously risk to it, but sometimes guys can carry yeah. something in for even just a few starts uh, before oh, guys adjust, right? Some pitchers um, work up faster than others. And again, with the short and spring, uh, perhaps he's ahead of the curve right now. And eventually it'll come crashing down possibly, but right now take advantage, right? 
He's he's one of these players that's going to be added in every single league that he's in. I mean, David Robertson and Josh Harrison, those are way more role players. So you know, Keller, you have to you have to put a, a, a decent bid in if you want him because uh, he's had quite a bit of buzz. So yeah, don't and even there. even if it's a backup bid to Hunter Green, because uh, yeah. you might not get both of them. You know, try for True. Green and have a backup with with Keller. Hundred percent. How about Aaron Hicks of the Yankees? Problem with Hicks really has been the inability to stay on the field. In 2019, he played in just 59 games. He did play most of the 2020 season, but that was also just 50-something games. Last year, only gone to 32 and was awful when he did play. But he is in a good lineup. He's the best center fielder on the roster, which should get him into the lineup more often than not. And if he is healthy... There's a chance for excellent counting stats and even 7 to 10 stolen bases. I think if you're in leagues with injured list spots, you should probably pick him up. Um, in leagues where you don't have those spots, I might be more hesitant because it's almost a guarantee he's going to spend some time on the injured list this season. I've seen some good reports on Hicks uh, coming into the season a little bit lighter, saying he wants to steal more bases. Never a bad sign because stolen bases are a decision-based uh, or an opportunity-based stat. So uh, that's great to see for Hicks. Uh, the Yankees, as you as you unfortunately know, are, are very financially committed uh, to Hicks until 20, uh, 2026. So I think they're going to give him that chance to play center field as long as he's healthy. I know that uh, that's a big risk with him, but if you're picking him up off of Fab, uh, I think that he could be a huge source of runs scored and double-digit steals. So He's uh he's probably higher on my list than Fraley and uh, certainly one of the highest priority guys we've talked about for outfield help. Yeah, and if you're playing it on base percentage, he gets a boost as well. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a guy that's definitely always been a strong uh, on base guy, and I've heard rumors of the Yankees having a revolving door at the leadoff spot. Sometimes Lemayhu, sometimes mm -hmm. Donaldson, and sometimes Hicks. So that could also help Aaron Hicks overall. Absolutely. He just needs to get into a groove. He played 32 games last year, but, uh, you know, this winter he played, I think, in uh, maybe the Dominican League, and I saw that he stayed mostly healthy there, so that was a promising sign. And, listen, it wouldn't be a shock if he did 140 games with 80 runs scored and 12 steals and 15 homers. I could certainly see that, and I'm sure you could too. Yeah, there's certainly a path to it, and if he's available, and he should be in most leagues, I'd scoop him up. How about catcher Ryan Jeffers of the Twins? Uh, more of a two-catcher league type of guy. He's not a top 12 or 15 catcher necessarily, but if you drafted early, it's definitely someone to look at. Twins traded Garver to Texas. We know this. Jeffers became a name to watch even with Sanchez being traded to the Twins 24 hours later. Jeffers, the much better defensive catcher. Twins plan to use Sanchez as a designated hitter, which means Jeffers is going to see the majority of work behind the plate and really could provide a really nice source of power considering he hit 14 homers last year in just 85 games. Absolutely. He, uh, He's similar to Fraley. He's had a little bit of prospect hype and shine, but just hasn't been able to, you know, put everything together. I think that this could be a good year for him. And in a two-catcher league, he's pretty much a must-add. Uh, unless it's a 12-teamer, then he could be more borderline. But even then, I think that he's certainly worth a look if you want to bolster up your catcher position more. Um, now, flipping it back to you here, Lou, how do you kind of see him and Gary Sanchez uh, kind of – splitting the time and do you see Sanchez playing some DH I want you to kind of elaborate on that 
Oh, Sanchez is going to be DHing more times than not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only time he won't DH is if they want to give Jeffers a day off behind the plate, which is necessary for almost every single catcher. Uh, you might see five days a week from Jeffers behind the plate compared to two for Sanchez. Yeah, I, I can see Sanchez stepping into that DH from time to time, too, and I certainly agree there. Just wanted to throw that out in case people see Sanchez on the roster and get worried about Jeffers' time. I think they're both going to play enough to have fantasy relevance in a two-catcher, uh, 15-team league. Yeah, Jeffers is the priority for the Twins. Sanchez is more of a reclamation project. They dumped sure. that Donaldson contract, took him on, because if he does bounce back in any sort of way, they either have themselves a buy-low player or someone that they can trade to a team that might be catcher-needy. Uh, so they're going to find at bats for him, but it's not going to be at the expense of Jeffers. Absolutely. And once injuries settle into this roster, it's it's got some injury risk on this roster. Um, there could be even more cemented playing time for both of these players, in fact. Certainly could be, buddy. Uh, relief pitcher Emilio Pagan with the Padres. There's a lot of potential closer options in San Diego right now. Pagan, probably the most experienced of them all, though. Struggled at times since joining the Padres ahead of the 2020 season. But prior to that, in Tampa, was excellent in 2019 and had 20 saves for them. Padres probably looking like a closer by committee at the moment. You know Pagan going to be in the mix. So if you're looking for potential saves, he's a nice, cheap option, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that he's probably one of the higher priority reliever specs that we've looked at. He had a rough year last year, um, surrendering 2.2 homers per nine. I mean, that's just not going to work, but he's never really been that high for his career. And if he can get 10 strikeouts per nine and limit uh, limit the walks maybe he could become the closer i'm also looking at robert suarez to kind of give you a curveball there as a closer for san diego i've seen some good reports from him but ultimately i've seen uh, the latest report from dennis lynn who covers the padres for the athletic he said that emilio pagan and robert suarez look like the two readiest options at closer for the padres so one of these two guys uh, more than likely is going to get a good opportunity at the ninth inning for the padres I would say so. Another reliever here who could be an even better spot due to an injury yes. is Anthony Bender with the Marlins. Dylan Floro's injured. Bender, the pitcher, expected to begin the season with the most opportunity in Miami to close out games. Pitched pretty well last season. 60 innings, sub-3 ERA, whip just over 1, and a solid 10.4K per 9. The job was by no means guaranteed to be Floros even before the injury. Uh, So if Bender starts off strong, he could take that job and kind of run with it. I tend to agree. I know that yesterday we had kind of discussed off air saying that looks like the Marlins could be a committee situation. And, you know, maybe that could be true. But I think that Bender is the player that you want because he has the talent to force the manager's hand. If he has success while the other guys like Richard Blyer, Uh, and Anthony Bass are blowing the saves. I mean, are you really going to keep going to something that's hurting you? No, I think you're going to go to Anthony Bender, who was wonderful last year. I know he was being drafted based on his skills, somewhat like a Chad Green where you can put him in and just feel confident that you're going to get good production. And Dylan Floro, not exactly a uh, guaranteed proven closer. Uh, I think that you could see Bender just take the job and run with it since Flora is coming into camp behind in terms of his workload. So love Bender and 
Um, I think he's probably the top priority add uh, for any reliever we're going to talk about all week. Yeah, and a lot of smart drafters, especially in those 15-teamers, grabbed him even when Flora was healthy because he was going much later than Flora. Flora was being taken in a range uh, where it was almost like he was guaranteed the role. And that clearly wasn't the case uh, even before the injury. So people got Bender at a great price. They might have kind of locked into some saves, but there's a lot of leagues where he's out there. I mean, he's out there in a couple of mine I've put in bids. Um, not going to share the exact amount, but um, anywhere from 20 to 35 or so is my range right now. What do you think of that? I'd be okay I, amping that up, man. I think that honestly up to 50 to 60 is possible. I know that's a lot. It's not but... if you're desperate for saves. I mean, some of those leagues I are, I got two elite closers and then have other spec guys. So I'm not necessarily looking to blow a ton of fab on Bender, but I agree with you that if you're in a league in a situation where you only maybe have one closer or you have two or three guys like a Soto, um, maybe you drafted Blake Trident and then Craig Kimbrell got traded to the Dodgers and you're worried, this is the perfect guy to look at. Yeah, I think it's not as, I think that's a decent amount because players like David Robertson or Michael Givens that we discussed, they're, they're really just flyers at this point. And complete really... flyers and only 15 teamers too. Yeah. And we just don't really like, they're not really that great of pitchers. You're just, you're only getting them for the saves. I think there's a possibility you could get Bender on your team. And even if he's only getting a save every other week or something like that, like maybe 10 save kind of guy, I think that if he's 10 and a half K per nine with a really good whip, and a solid ERA, I think that that's rosterable, you know, every week. So I think that he's worth 50 bucks. I think when we were talking yesterday, yesterday, excuse me, or the day before, um, we almost compared him to a Diego Castillo type, a guy that yep. you want to roster because you know he's going to be in the mix for saves in Seattle. But even if he's not getting saves, he could pick up some wins. He's going to have a good ERA, good whip, and great strikeouts. Absolutely. And, and th- this is going to be a theme of our show each and every week, trying to dissect these committees, figuring out which player to kind of prioritize and drop. And I think Bender is a a clear priority. I know people are a little stingy with their fab and look, that makes sense. But these type of skills with the opportunity to grab the bull by the horns and run with this job is not going to necessarily come along super often. So I'd take advantage of it. I'm with you there, my friend. How about shortstop Bryson Stott with the Phillies? D.D. Gregorius and Alec Bohm both struggle in 2021. So not only is there room for Stott to play shortstop, but possibly third base as well for the Phillies. Currently just shortstop eligible, but if he does in fact get some time at third base early on, he could gain that eligibility too. Uh, former first round pick of the Phillies from just a few years ago has shown above average power and speed throughout the past couple seasons in the minors, but what really has stood out to me, Lucas, the on-base skills, 390 mm-hmm. on-base percentage across three levels of the minor leagues could be a nice addition for you again especially with um the struggles of both those guys on the left side of the infield i think that there's a really good chance he's up on opening day we have about five or six days until they have to finalize their roster in philly and there's just too many questions surrounding Didi gregorius and alec Baum. even though he had a lot of prospect hype a few years ago Uh, Bryson Stott, one of my favorite prospects to draft and moving forward. He doesn't have anything that'll make you say wow, but he's extremely solid at everything. Uh, So 
in fantasy, those aren't always the greatest players to go for just because they're not going to pop and homers or steals per se. But I think that he's going to be serviceable in every category, chipping in some occasional steals, getting on base, scoring plenty of runs. And I think that he could have dual eligibility with third base and shortstop. Kind of a glue guy where you may not uh, be wowed or anything, but I think that he's excellent plate discipline. He has enough power, a little bit of speed, good defensive ability to keep him in the lineup for the defensive challenge Phillies. And uh, he's a player that I'd be pretty aggressive to pick up this weekend in fab. Yeah, I actually drafted him. Um, in the 12-team league super early on in the offseason just because I had heard good things. I had seen his quick rise through the minors. Now I'm feeling really good about it. Absolutely. And look, I don't want to compare him to Jonathan India or anything because that doesn't happen very often, those types of pop-ups. But you could see a a possible 18-20 to home run with a seven to eight to 10 steal kind of a year for Stott with a decent average and plenty of runs scored. I don't think that that's out of bounds to see from Stott if he can have success because he's, he's going into his 24 season. So he's got a little bit of experience. He was a college bat at UNLV first rounder top 15 pick. I think it's all here in the making for him to have a good year. Certainly. So, so lots of good players here, lots of good info for everyone looking for a step ahead, a quick edge potentially in their leagues. Is there anyone else here who we could be looking at? I know yesterday we were kind of going back and forth on uh, some potential players, uh, certainly not 12-team guys, but maybe deeper leagues. Yeah, I have a couple of quick names that I'm going to throw out here, and they're kind of similar to Dave, David Robertson where – you know, they're just kind of flyers to throw in for uh, bullpen committee types. Chris Stratton is probably a little bit above a flyer range, but being on Pittsburgh, it's tough to say how many saves they're regularly going to get since it's looking like Chris Stratton. Bednar is also a pretty good pitcher too, right? Like yeah. why not give him the opportunity? Stratton's in his 30s. I understand making it a little friendly competition, but yeah. um, and it's worth the ad potentially if you're desperate, as you're saying. But I mean, bed, that should be Bednar's job at some point, if not early on. I totally agree. And, you know, I think we said yesterday, this is a team that's giving full time plate appearances to, you know, Ben Gamble and Greg Allen when they have a flurry of minor leaguers that they could give an opportunity to. So, yeah, I don't disagree that they should they should give Bednar the opportunity, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why they might not. Maybe they want to pump up Chris Stratton's trading value and move off of him after proving that he can get saves, even though teams don't look at that anymore. Or maybe they want to keep Bednar's arbitration price lower since he's still in arbitration. So there's a lot of reasons, but it's been kind of announced that Stratton could be in the mix there. So he's just another guy to kind of put on your list. I'm in one league where he's available and I only have one closer. And admittedly, Lou, I'm not going to be very aggressive. I might throw a teen, teen, uh, $15 bid or something like that. But, you know, I'm not going to go insane for Chris Stratton. Yeah, I am not doing that because this year <laughs> you convinced me um, a number of times. And Kevin Hastings, who I had on the Counting Stats podcast, also convinced me to go earlier for closer this year than ever before. And most mm-hmm. of my leagues, I'm really not sweating it. Um, and it actually feels really good because now I can use my fab elsewhere. I've always had to use like 50% of my fab on speculative closers or guys that might get a save on like a Friday or Saturday night and think, Oh, this could be the next guy. Um, I don't have to do that. So I'm feeling good right now. uh, 
That's a hell of a feeling. Yeah, a lot of my leagues are set up that way, but in this NFBC auction league that I entered, I've got Ryan Presley and Paul Seawald, so I've got like one and a half closers. Certainly could use another, but yeah, I'm not going to go insane for Stratton, even though he is a, you know, a decent little just speculative player. What's your goal, would you say, when it comes to saves in Roto, like your total number going into the season, like what you have um, from the draft and what you have on your roster after first? Are you looking for 65 saves, 73? Um, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be at the top of the category, but I feel like if you're in that 65 to 75 range, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, you actually pretty much know that there. I was thinking like 60 to 80 would be ideal. However, this that's just such a wide range. That's why I'm trying to like condense it a a little bit. I feel like if you have if you have two, whether it's three guys who are two part time and one full time guy, you should be looking at sixty plus. Yes, this year I'm changing up my strategy a bit with closers. Last year I had kind of just looked for solid jobs at the draft table from a a Raldis Chapman in a lot of leagues or um, you know similar setup. But unfortunately, I had a few guys, as we talked about, we've had some guys get traded, like Craig Kimbrell got traded away from the job last year, as well as Diego Castillo. So every week, if I can try to find a guy that I think I can put in there for saves, even if I'm rolling out in some leagues four closers, I'm going to take all the saves that I can get when they're available, because those guys can either lose their job or get hurt or something like that. So It's also an easy category to dominate if you have the personnel. Absolutely. So I'm going to just keep a really close eye on it each week for all of my leagues. And yeah, I'm going to just keep a moving target. Yeah. Let me get your thoughts on this. I think there's a little bit of a misconception sometimes with stolen bases and saves, especially in the Roto leagues. Uh, I understand the philosophy if I want to be competitive in the category. So like, you know, anywhere from six to eight points in the category of 15 but it's also two of the easiest categories to just completely dominate and get 14 or 15 points in if you actually put in the time to get those players. Absolutely. And it, and it also kind of depends on if it's a draft and hold or a 12-teamer or a 15-teamer. Um, in the 15-teamers or in the, in the draft and holds, if I have anybody that's going to be kind of remotely close for closers, I'll put three closers in for sure. And possibly four if uh, if I don't like my uh, SP six's starting matchup. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm going to just try to play the standings really tight. Um, I wish I have a nice, neat number to say. You know, I want 74 saves on September 30th and call it a day. I don't have that, but I gave you kind of a wide range, and I'm going to be monitoring each and every week, seeing um, who I can kind of put in there to maybe steal a save or something like that. Makes sense to me. Um, I. I think I told you last year, same kind of thing happened with me in a league. I had three closers going into the trade deadline, and by the time the trade deadline ended, I had none. It happens uh, far too often, unfortunately. Yeah, so you really can never have enough. Even if you're in first place, um, I mean, if you're in a league where there's trades, then fine. I mean, if you want to trade away a closer for something you might need, but in leagues where there's no trades allowed... And a lot of people play in those types of leagues. I don't think I'm crazy, folks. Um, there is something to be said about holding on to the closers, even if you're ahead of the game in saves. Absolutely. And that's why some of these speculative $1 names are not bad, because even if you have two to three closers, if you because last year in TGFBI, before the season started, 
I was able to hit on a $2 Ian Kennedy and got 25 saves out of him approximately. So just keeping uh, keeping an active outlook on everything and just trying to read up all the news that you can and have a long list of $1 to $3 uh, spec closers. I mean, you can get lucky occasionally and strike some gold. I'm with you there, my man. This has been the Lucas Baseball Podcast, Fantasy Baseball First Fab Run Edition. I'm Lou Landers, and that's my co-host, Lucas Beery. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Of course, go check out all our work at drrodo.com. We'll catch you next time. Take care.